You know, out there in the world, sometimes you, you, you get some grief. And I've got to show you something that I've been getting some grief about lately. It's my, it's my cute rose-colored phone. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, uh, I, I'm strong enough in my masculinity to know that it's not the color that makes a man, right? And, uh, you know, it's not just sports. I love sports. I love outdoors. But it's not that that makes a man. It's following Jesus. And um, yet, I've been having a lot of grief about this phone. Let me tell you how I got this, uh, this phone or why I'm using it. Um, a couple of months ago, back in October, Kara and Pastor Dan invited Lori and I to go canoeing. It was one of those beautiful autumn evenings. And uh, we were canoeing out here on the Speed River. You know the, the marsh area just above the um, downtown Hesper, you know what I'm talking about? And so we were canoeing and uh, having a great time. And all of a sudden I heard this plop. And there I watched my new iPhone 10 going to the bottom of the Speed River. And not only my phone that I had waited two and a half years to upgrade, but all of my ID, all of my credit cards. So if any of you know how to scuba dive, <laughs> you might get yourself a new phone. But I, uh, I go tell you about this because this phone is actually my daughter's. It's her iPhone 5 for a while back because I still got to pay that off for the next almost two years. And I'm not trying to engender any sympathy today. I'm just reminding you that your commitments are very important. And I found that it's harder to get out of a phone contract than it is out of a marriage at times, right? <laughs> not that I'm trying to get out of my marriage, but... Commitments are really important. In fact, the Bible elevates it to the word covenant. And, and, and covenant's not just commitments on steroids. Covenant means that I will even if you don't. That's what covenants are all about. I will even if you don't. You think about it. Maybe we, many times we've had people standing up here on a wedding, and one person says that they will have this person to have and to hold you know, for rich or for poor, some of you now are hugging each other like that. You know, till death do us part, right? And you're saying, I will do this no matter if you don't. The beauty is the other person says it too. And it's a covenant. And it's amazing. It's more than just a commitment. It's more than a contract. It's like, I will even if you don't. I remind us today that um, God wants to to make a covenant with us. In fact, he has made a covenant with us. And out of that, we are to make commitments to him. And last week, we had an amazing time of um, studying the book of Nehemiah chapter 9. And we, we learned that covenants really start off with declaring something that we love about that other person. And you see that in marriages all the time. You know, we, there's talking about what they appreciate about that other person. And in Nehemiah 9, we, we're declaring what we love about God. And his, what, how great he is and how all of his mercy. And out of that, many of you responded and you came forward and you, you repented of your sins and you, you came forward and you, you found mercy once again. That his mercies renew every morning. 
And then on Wednesday, we had an amazing time of, um, of our worship-based prayer at our prayer encounter. Prayer encounter and and uh, boy, we're really growing in our faith and our numbers with that. And we encourage you, this is the most important the most important service of the week is to come out on Wednesday nights to pray, to seek God. And then we saw today, this Dayton, he made a commitment, right? He was making a covenant before God, trusting the Holy Spirit to help him keep this covenant, that he would walk in obedience to Christ. So we see in the, these, these passages that commitments are very important, that we must keep our commitments first to God I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 10, and we're going to learn more about this, these, these uh, commitments. And whenever you make a commitment, at least at the contractual level, uh, you usually have to sign something, don't you, right? You have, to, you have to give your signature. You have to put your signature on there. And if you look in, in, in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 38, just to give you context, um, it says this. Nehemiah 9, verse 38. Because of all this, we make a firm covenant in writing on the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. They're willing to sign their name to it. They're willing to step up, just like Dayton stepped it up. And, and maybe today, you, that's one of the things at the outcome, you'll say, I need to actually step up. And you've been holding back. And you're like, I've said no so many times. Today can be a yes for you. Say yes to what Jesus is calling you to do. And then... Let's start in, in verse 1 of, of Nehemiah 9. So please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Nehemiah chapter 10. I'm going to read the whole chapter here. And you can Google this. You could use my nice cute phone if you're really running out of... Can't find it too. So Nehemiah chapter 10. On the seals are the names of Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hakaliah, Zedekiah, Zeriah, Asariah, which might be Ezra, Jeremiah, Pasher, Amariah, Malkijah, Hattush, Shabaniah, Malek, Harim, Miramoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginnathon, uh, Baruch, Mashulam, Abijah, Mijamin, Maziah, Bilgay, Shemiah, these are the priests. And the Levites, Jeshua, the son of Azaniah, Benui, the son of Henadad, Kadmiel, and their brothers, Shabaniah, Hodiah, Kalita, Peleliah, Hanan, Mika, Rehob, Hashabiah, Zachar, Sherebiah, Shabaniah, Hodiah, Bene, Beninu. And then the chiefs of the people, Parush, Pehath, Moab, Elam, Zatu, Beni, Buni, Asgad, Bebe, Adonijah, Bigveh, Adin, Eter, Hezekiah, Azir, Hodiah, Hashum, Bezei, Hereth, Anathoth, Nebe, Magpiash, Meshulam, Hazer, Meshabel, Zadok, Jadua, Pelatiah, Hanan, Hananiah, Hoshea, Hananiah, Hashub, Helohesh, Pela, Shobek, Reum, Hashbanah, Messiah, Hihaya, Ahan, Ahanan, Malak, Harim, Banana. I need a drink just before we keep going, okay? <laughs> you try that. Those are some Hebrew names that are hard to say. 
Now we'll get back to English. The rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding, join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse and oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his rules and his statutes. We will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons. And if the peoples of the land bring in goods and any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. And will not forgo the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. We also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third of the shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, the regular grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Sabbaths and the new moons and the appointed feasts and the holy things and the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people have likewise cast lots for the wood offering to bring it to the house of our God according to our fathers' houses at times appointed year by year to burn an altar of the Lord, on, burn on the altar of the Lord our God as it is written in the law. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord and also to bring to the house of our God to the priest who minister in the house of our God the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle as it is written in the law and the firstborns of our herds and of our flocks and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions and the fruit of every tree and the wine and the oil to the priests and to the chambers of the house of our God and to bring the Levites the tithes from our ground for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all their towns where we labor. And the priests and the son of Aaron shall be with the Levites and the Levites receive the tithes, meaning 10%. And the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes to the house of our God to the chambers of the storehouse for the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine, and oil to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests to minister and the gatekeepers and the singers. And then this is, this is the summary statement. You need to underline this. We will not neglect the house of our God. We will not neglect the house of our God. May God add understanding to the reading of his word. These ancient words might, you might think have nothing to do with us, but today I believe God wants to speak into our hearts. You may be, you may be seated. We need to keep our commitments to God first. Let's really involve uh, our marriage, our money, and also our service to the Lord. I'll keep talking about that. But some of you, in, 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 if you've been around the Bible, you, you understand that there's great warnings about making commitments to God. In fact, it's better not to make a commitment to God and then break it than for you have never made a commitment in the first place. In fact, if you, I'd encourage you just to turn your Bibles or Google Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. And I'll just show you the warning, okay? The warning that God gives us, making sure that you don't like say something to God and say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make a promise, and then don't keep it. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. Those are a couple, verses, a couple of books to your right. And um, Ecclesiastes is written by King Solomon. And Solomon was one of the richest men to ever live. He uh, had great wisdom. And at the end of his days, he's reflecting back. And he chased a lot of things that this earth has to offer. And he realized that there was nothing under the sun. And he, nothing here on earth that really, really 
um, in the end, meant anything. He called it meaningless. And, and one of the lessons he learned was our words and our promises. In Ecclesiastes 5, verses 4 through 6, this is what it says. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin. Do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? In other words, if you promise to do something and you don't, it, you might lose it. There's consequences for that. Now, in this text and other texts, it doesn't mean you should never make a vow to God. We make vows, particularly the, probably the one that's most obvious is our, our, our wedding vows, right? So we are to make vows. We just got to take them very seriously. And they're, they're rare and they're important and we must keep them. There's consequences for breaking them. That's why when we talk about making a faith promise, if you say, I'm going to do something, God, you've got to, with everything in your power and strength, trusting God to help you commit to doing that. And we encourage you to keep your promises. We must be people of integrity. As we jump back into um, our study in Nehemiah chapter 10, go back to Nehemiah chapter 10. Let's walk through this, and we're going to see the importance of making these commitments, keeping our commitments to God first. And we see in verse 1 of Nehemiah chapter 10, it says, On the seals are the names of Nehemiah the governor. Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the one who wrote this book. He's the governor of the land. He was the former cupbearer to the king. Number Number two, probably in, in the whole Persian Empire. Very trusted man. And he makes a commitment. And because of that commitment, things change for people. What a reminder that if you and I are leaders in, in our families, in our community, in our church, that we need to keep our commitments, right? Especially if you confess to belong to the covenant covenant-keeping God, all we do is to reflect back to God, right? And so it's, it's critical that we keep our commitments. And Nehemiah did. He wanted to be the first one listed. I'm keeping my commitment. I'm keeping my commitment. We challenge you as leaders to do that. Look at the, look at the benefits of it. Look, jump to verse 28. It says, the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the seniors, and the temple servants, and all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding. All these people before that are really, names that are really hard to say, which means every person counts, right? Every person counts. Every person counts here today. They, they followed Nehemiah. They kept their commitments and had a great effect on the whole nation. Can you imagine what happened in our country if all of us kept our commitments? Wow. Starting with our leadership. Be amazing. We need to remember, especially in the church, that our example of keeping our word will lead to people knowing the word of God. It's contagious. And whenever you keep your word, you are actually pointing people to the word of God right here. So the word of God. You're pointing people back to God themselves. See, um, when Jesus declared in John 14, verse uh, 6, and uh, I told 
I told uh, the class at St. Benedict's this past week, and thanks for praying for me about that, um, I said that Jesus says that he is the way, what? The, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus makes a claim that he is the only way to God. There are not all roads lead to God, it's only him. And then he says that he's the way, but he's also the truth. So if you teach your kids, hey, you know what? Don't lie because you want to be a trusted person. That's good, but that's not going high enough. The reason why you tell your kids to, to tell the truth is because you follow the truth. Jesus, who's the truth. You're pointing people back to the word of God, the written word of God and the incarnate word of God. So business people, you keep your integrity, not just because people will trust you and you get more deals. You, you keep it because of Jesus, because that's the one you follow. Does that make sense? And so it's contagious. The whole nation that's there is starting to, to make these commitments to God. And then notice what they do. What's the commitment they actually make? The first thing they do is they separate themselves. They separate themselves. They literally want to become holy. That's what it means, to separate, to be different. And so if this is all the, the group of people in the land, the, the Jews are, the God's people are, are moving over here and they're saying we're separating ourselves from them. Not because we think we're so much better, but we realize actually we're not. That we can sin, that we can, we can fall into temptation, and we want to commit ourselves to God. That's what you do, separate yourself. Holiness is not about saying, we're better, we dress differently, we speak in a different language. No, holiness is, I want to be more like God. I want to, have, I want to be like Christ. And without holiness, the writer of Hebrews says, we will not see the Lord. One of the big prayers is, Lord, that I would be holy. That I would be holy. And so they, they separate themselves. And it begs the question, let's make it real practical. Do you need to separate yourself from anything or anybody who is dragging you down? Maybe it's some relationships. Maybe it's a group of people in your life that's causing you to continue to be pulled back to some things that you have a lot of regrets over. Today, let's make a commitment to separate ourselves from those things, those people. Could be some friends. Sometimes you just have to get a whole new group of friends, especially if you have no other Christian friend alongside you. Jesus sent the disciples out two by two, right? You need that accountability. Is there anything that God wants you to separate yourself from? We must keep our commitments to God. We see this in verse 29. Join with their brothers, their nobles, and enter into a curse. And, and, and because they were separating themselves, I bet none of you, none of you made a commitment this week saying, God, would you bring a curse on me, right? None of you did. I didn't. I've never prayed that prayer. God, bring a curse on me. But they're hearkening back to Deuteronomy chapter 28, through 30, about the blessing and curses of following God or not. They didn't want to go through this whole, this whole problem again. They've been slaved in Babylon for decades. They didn't want to go back to Babylon. They didn't want to go back to slavery. So they're like, God, would you bring a curse on us? Would you hold us accountable? That's the, that's the modern day term. 
So when you're making commitments, you need to be held accountable, right? Just like when you go to the gym, I find that I'm not going to go to the gym unless I have some, some, a partner, right, who's going to hold me accountable. And I know, okay, I got to get up and be there at that time. Same thing. Same thing with your Christian walk. You're walking in God's law. And then we find out the pressure points. Here's the pressure points. It's always our intimate and most precious things in our life. And the three things are our marriage or our, our relationships, our money, and then our service, our, our work. Family and finances, children and commerce, our babies and our businesses. Those are the things that we often find as the pressure point. And we're so tempted to want to go after what the world offers. And, and things haven't changed from two, like over 2,000 years ago. Maybe we were more like 2,400 years ago. Because there was temptation to, to make sure you kind of mingle with the, the, the peoples of the land. And you could climb the ladder, the social ladder. And you'd intermingle, and you'd have all these relationships. You'd, you'd be a power play. And isn't that still true to us? I mean, I, I want my kids to be successful, don't you? Don't you want your kids to be really successful, to succeed in life, to be financially as much independent as possible? They don't come back and live with you, those kinds of things, right? They were still facing the same thing. We, verse 30, we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for their sons because there was great temptation to join these people of other faiths. Now, some of you say, well, um, John, um, you know, I, 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 why can't I have my, my kids marry somebody who's an unbeliever? I'd remind you again of what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet? Forfeit his soul, right? Forfeit his life. We pursue beauty, we pursue power, we pursue money. And then we do that often with who we marry. And we might think, well, we'll marry up. You know, there are Muslims um, that uh, would say, you know what, yes, you marry people from other, other faiths. In fact, it's a very great evangelistic strategy. I, I've learned this even going to Africa. Our, our Muslim friends are very intentional. They have scholarships for their young people so that they can be put in places of business and places of government and influence. There's, there's uh, strategic, uh, Muslims will be strategic in actually trying to marry people who are maybe not very passionate followers of Jesus Christ who maybe call themselves Christians. And then they must convert. So why can't we do the same as Christians? Can't we marry somebody outside of the faith? We see down through, through both biblical and church history that that's, that's, that's a very dangerous strategy. Starting with Solomon, we talked about him earlier. Didn't he marry like 700 wives, 300 concubines, and it led his heart astray even as he got old. And, and so the thing with Christian marriage is there's an equality. There's a love. There's a unity that, that Christianity teaches. That's one of our, our key values. 
And so um, when, when we marry outside the faith, we will be turned away from God. And I say, well, isn't the Christian faith strong enough? Again, it's, it's this unity that marriage creates, this equality that Christian marriage teaches. This is why I tell you, if you are a single person, if you are um, a young person and you want to get married, here's what you need to do. Like you're driving on the 401, you need to be going towards Jesus, racing down the 401. And then there's some other person that comes alongside you and go, oh, we're going in the same direction. Don't go off on the exit ramp and try to find them. Find the person that's already going in the same direction that you are. Does that make sense? It's critical. It's critical that we do this. This past, um, about a week ago, we went to Togo. And um, over there in Togo, marriage is so important that they will try to solidify things by, uh, by actually having children as young as six years old through 14 be married off. And, and, and even parents will marry their children off so they can get a dowry and get some money. And so there are missionaries over there in Togo that will rescue these children from child marriage and they will bring them into the city. They'll give them education, turn them, teach them English. They'll give them a skill, a very valuable skill. They'll teach them about the gospel of Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ. And then they'll send them back to that same village. And now the families want them because they're valuable. Before they didn't have enough skill. And it changes a village. And I want to show you just a, vid a video really quickly of some of these children and what they're singing. There's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain. You need to pray for uh, Pastor Constantine and the missionary work that they're doing there. And um, it's critical that you marry somebody who also loves Jesus. Look what we see as we continue to walk through this. This isn't just marriage that's important. It's also, it's also our money and our commitments with that. And we see this in verse um, 31. 
If the people of the land bring goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day, and we'll forgo the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. This is so important for us uh, business people because we see here that the people were very much tempted. They knew that they couldn't actually do business on the Sabbath. God had forbidden that from even in the Ten Commandments. But what they were doing was they were kind of hiring secret Sabbath shoppers to go buy for them. And they were like, no, we have to have integrity in every part of our business transactions. We are going to commit to this day of rest, this day of, of Sabbath. And then it's, it, we see that they also said, we're also not going to put our others into slavery. We're going to let them go. We're going to forgo even, even trying to receive all this debt. And every seventh year, people will, who are in debt to us will be freed. They were following God's law again. Brothers and sisters, we must in the marketplace, in our business transactions, we must, we must make sure that we have integrity. We're not trying to enslave anybody once again. So how we use our money is critically important. In fact, it goes the other way too in how we give. Look at verse 32. We also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. The best I can understand that, that's almost like uh, enough to, to pay for a week, so a salary, and to care for others. And, and you see how, what the outcomes of it for the showbread, the regular grain offerings, the regular burnt offerings, the Sabbaths, the new moons, the appointed feasts, the holy things, and the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. The, the, the atonement for Israel, there's a salvation. This giving is about seeing people get reconnected to God. This is so important. And let me just modernize this for us. And um, I think in my seven plus years as a church, I've I've never, um, other than when our academy was closed, I never, I never gave you such a, um, a strong message in regards to giving. But this is the time, brothers and sisters. And if you're new with us, if you've, you're just guest with us, you can just tune out for a moment. Um, this doesn't apply to you. In fact, we would say you are a gift to us, and we just want you to consider the gift of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But as a church, um, for the first time, at least under my tenure, uh, we had a shortfall of about $140,000. Praise the Lord for Ed and his finance team who, uh, uh, who we've been able to have some reserves over these last couple years so that we're not in a debt position, okay? We're not in deficit overall. But as a church, especially over these next um, few months, as we're raising money for both 4.0, the recreation of our property, and the ongoing ministry needs, we need you to give and give sacrificially. And I do this because it, it's, it's all about seeing others come to faith in Christ, the atonement of others being reconciled to God. Now, some of you, just for clarification, we're going to talk further about this at our family chat a couple weeks on February 9th after the service for all of our members. And um, we're going to uh, show you all the ways we're trying to, to, uh, to cut back in every way. But some of you think that we have millions of dollars because we're building. And so we can just take money from 4.0 and just use it for our ongoing ministry needs. But we can't. Canada Revenue Agency won't let us. So in fact, we have a slide here just to remember this. So you can't touch a cactus. 
you can't touch a porcupine and you can't touch 4.0, okay? <laughs> Just remember it that way. And it's important for you to know this, that we don't have all this extra money to continue on with all of our missionary support, all of our efforts to, to reach our community. And so brothers and sisters, this church hasn't had to sacrifice to a level like this for, for decades. And today we're asking you to make a commitment because we need to know by early April whether we're going to complete this project, 4.0. And we need even sooner for you to continue to give to the ongoing needs. Thank you for all your generosity. Some of you need to go from, have never given, need to go to a giver. Others of you need to go from being a giver to a generous giver to start tithing. Others of you need to go from a generous giver to a sacrificial giver. And I'll just tell you straight up and honest from where our family is. Our, our, our family gives about 15 to 16% of our income to the Lord's work. And as Nehemiah led in this, I'm trying to lead you. And I'm calling you because I love the work of Temple. I love what we're doing. I love to see all the things both globally and here, what's happening. And so brothers and sisters, it's time to step up our commitment in giving. Look what they did. They gave everything. It says that they gave their first fruits, 35, verses 35 through 39. We obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord, also to bring to the house of our God, to the priest to minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, that is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of their flocks, and to bring the first of our dough. Wow, even the dough. And our contributions and the fruit of every tree and the wine and the oil to the priests, to the chambers of the house of our God, and to bring to the Levites the tithes and from our ground, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our towns where we labor. And the priest and the son of Aaron shall be with the Levites, and the Levites receive the tithes. And the Levites shall bring out the tithes of the tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse. Wow. They're giving, they're generous. And they did it for the sake of the atonement and the salvation of others, being right with God. This past year, 2019, we had a record year of people in the recent times of coming to faith in Christ. 20 people gave their life to Christ. Another 36 globally that we know of in places like Togo. That's awesome. That's the work that you are giving to. It's awesome. And they were, they were in those days, they, they, were, they were committed to this. And then notice what it says there, the last verse, we will not neglect the house of our God. Commit, keep our commitments to, to Christ. Keep our commitments to God. I'm going to ask our worship team to come up. You might say, well, why should we keep our commitments? Here's the big why, the answer to that question. Because Jesus kept his commitment to us. When Jesus died on that cross, he did so because we hadn't kept our commitments to him. We had broken God's law. And then he died and he rose again. And out of his great commitment to us, that's why we should give, out of, our, out of his generosity towards us. And so, will we keep our commitments to Jesus because he first kept his commitment to us? Brothers and sisters, there's great hope in this. Let's commit to... Once again, saying that we will follow the Lord. 
God, thank you, for, um, thank you for the commitments that you've made through your son Jesus to us, that all of his promises are yes. And so God, today, would we be a people that in, in, in our most personal relationships, our marriages, our families, in our finances, Lord, in our, in our serving, just like the priest served, God, that we would, we would give back to you. We would be committed to you first and foremost. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all this will be added unto us as Jesus promised. All of our needs will be taken care of. Oh God, do this. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen and amen.